0: It's happening! A good feeling dog training is launching online dog training courses. If you're too busy to attend a group class, if you live out of my service range, if you need a reminder of what you should be doing with your dogs, online dog training courses are the option for you. I am super excited that two online dog training courses will be dropping June of 2019. If you'd like to get on the wait list, head over to agf dog. Hey all welcome back to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode. I have a special guest and we talk all about how to get your dog to walk nicely on a leash. Um, but before we jump into today's episode, just a reminder that if you like this podcast, Please leave a review. The more reviews there are, the more struggling dog owners we can reach and hopefully help. Also, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button, please feel free to do so so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you are up to date and you've already listened to episode 11, Hiking with Dogs, and episode 12, Raw Feeding for Your Dog, awesome! Thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me. If you are new and this is your first episode, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Um, And two, if you like this episode, please feel free to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. Positive reinforcement works for dogs and for people. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, I did an Instagram poll a few weeks ago and loose leash walking did not win out but I think it's still a pretty pressing matter for a lot of dog owners so I wanted to make sure that I talked about it and I'm super excited that Erica Gonzalez from from dusk till dog joined me for this episode and you know we really just share our tips and tricks and I think you're gonna find it really helpful. I do. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you just a little bit more about Erica. So like I said, Erica Gonzalez um, is the owner of From Dusk Till Dog, and she is a certified dog trainer and behavior specialist. She lives in the Jersey area, and she does in-home training. Um, She also does remote training, so um, she is a super qualified dog trainer, and it was so much fun to talk to her. Um, Before I forget, she is also dog mom to Jade the Pitbull and Freddie the Chihuahua, so I highly suggest you follow her on Instagram so you can see those super cute pictures of her adorable dogs. So yeah, so let's go ahead and, d- and dive into today's episode. So welcome to Disorderly Dogs. I'm so happy to have you guys. Um, I'm super excited because today we are talking about loose leash walking. Um, I did a couple of Instagram polls and several people were curious about loose leash walking. So I'm super excited to talk about it. And I'm super excited for my special guest. Erica is here from Tell nice. Dog. Yay, I'm so happy she's here. (laughs) Um, I I figured it would be helpful to share maybe not just my perspective on loose leash walking, but kind of get, you know, the advice and help of another dog trainer. So we're going to dive in. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I think Erica, Erica and I can both agree that management should always be your first protocol when you're thinking about changing behavior in dogs.
1: Yes. That's probably yes. the first thing I go to when I'm talking to a client or I'm even working with my own dogs on some of this. So management is key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And management does a couple of things, right? One, it sets up the environment so that the dog can be successful. And two, it also sets up the environment so the person can be successful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you've ever been attached to a leash with the dog who is dragging you, I can commiserate. It's very <laughs> unpleasant. So the- <laughs> it really is. I
1: understand why people can get frustrated by it because it it can be very unpleasant for sure. Yeah.
0: Right. So, you know, I think it's important that the dog is set up, but I also want to set you as the dog owner up because I don't want you to be frustrated either because I've been frustrated on the end of the leash and it's not fun. So let's just prevent it from getting to that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Okay. So a couple of management strategies so one would obviously be to prevent going on walks where dogs are just pulling 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 so if you have a dog who is constantly at the end of the leash when you were walking my suggestion would be to reframe the way you think about exercising your dog so that you don't mm-hmm. consistently put them in the same scenario hmm yeah yeah, so maybe that means you play in the backyard to tie your dog out while you work on training. Maybe that means you go somewhere where dogs are allowed off-leash to prevent the pulling. Um, Erica, what are some other management strategies that you suggest?
1: Yeah, I mean, when someone's dealing with it, and especially if it's, like, more severe, you know, there's different levels of it, but, um, totally. you know, you're absolutely right. I tell people, listen, I right off the bat, I say if this is the... Main form of exercise for your dog, you're going to have trouble with this, um, because you know your dog. Let's say, at least my clientele and people that I know, you know, they're they're working most of the day. Their dogs are inside, kind of waiting for them to come home. We get home, we're eating dinner, we need a shower. By the time you know the dogs get out, um, for you know some people, it's they're very excited to finally get their their shot at moving around a little bit. So. Oh, Totally. Totally. I really tell people like, you know, we have, you know, cell phones and apps and magazines and movies and things that keep ourselves stimulated, both mentally and physically. And um, and dogs don't really have that luxury as much unless we provide that for them. So I really focus on, you know, kind of what you said. I'm like, listen, let's let's try to dedicate um, even 10 to 20 minutes of, you know, fetch in the yard or, um, you know, exercising them with some tug games if, if it's appropriate for that dog or giving them some mental enrichment a little bit and, and yeah. then trying to head out and and tackle our, our training and stuff outside. So I think management can come in all forms, um, but definitely providing another outlet for all of that energy that isn't hey, you're really excited and really pent up and now we're gonna like walk wonderfully on a leash when we go outside. Um, We're kind of (laughs) setting everyone up to have a not so good interaction with it. Um, And so I think that allows people to be off the hook. Sometimes I'll tell people, listen, Walk your dog a little less and focus on the exercise in other forms. And it may seem counterproductive, but when you're first starting off with trying to tackle this issue, we need to kind of fill the exercise bucket in other ways first before we, um, you know, go out on that leash walk.
0: Yes. No. And that is such a good point. Like the dog has done nothing all day. Then you put it on a leash and expect it to walk perfectly. Like, That is way too high of criteria, <laughs> right? Way I'd too be, high. Well, if I was a dog, I'd be very horrible at that. <laughs> so, right. And if your dog sits at home all day and then walks perfectly on leash, like you are an anomaly, right? You're like you are not the norm. Consider yourself blessed because <laughs> yeah. the rest of us, that is not the scenario we're in. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Uh so yeah. And I think that that brings up a good point, right? That like if your dog has been waiting for you all day and you want to get them out, maybe you should start by playing some fetch in the yard and getting some of that energy down before you go out for a walk. Right. right? Obviously some dogs that's going to get them more amped. So that's super dog specific, but that's right. a super good point, right? Like maybe you need to change up your routine. So maybe you do some trick training with the dog. Maybe the dog, you know, works out of a snuffle mat or something, so you bring their energy level down a little bit, and yeah. then you go out for a walk. Very true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, I am a big fan of the long leash, not a retractable leash, right? Like a, a flat 20-foot leash. And I like that because that gives the dog some more room to explore and sniff, and they can kind of fulfill some of their, you know, desires in the dog department, and they don't yeah. have to walk perfectly on a leash. And, I love you know, that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, parks, open spaces are much more accommodating for the long leash walk. The long leash walk is kind of hard in, in the neighborhoods. <laughs> you don't really yeah. want your dog walking <laughs> like 20 feet up to your neighbor's front door, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, actually, that's a wonderful idea. Like I think, you know, I'm more in a suburban type of area where we are, but we, uh, because we're located in New Jersey, but I I do, you know, we do have parks and, you know, empty baseball fields off season and things like that, where I'll tell people, you know, maybe instead of taking your 20 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, however long they're looking to walk their dog typically for, and go out and just let them sniff on a long line for 20 minutes and then go on home. And that's their outing for the day. um, Because I do have, Based on what you said, I mean, people have sometimes like three, four foot leashes and their dog's pulling and it's it's really hard to um, have such a short leash and, and still have your dog be a dog on the leash and not be frustrated with pulling kind of going with them everywhere that they're going. So I think that's wonderful to have open area, long line, let them let out some energy just by being a dog and then head on home and and wait for the next time when that gets a little better. And then you can actually proactively work on on the neighborhood walking. But I mean I love the outdoor kind of park idea. And I think it works really well for a lot of the clients that that have done it.
0: Yeah. And I like the ease on the human side of it. You know, like you can just kind of cruise at your own speed too. Right? right. Like, and I'm totally that dog owner, like full confession. Like when my dogs are stopping to sniff every few feet, I'm like, come on, let's <laughs> move it. And that's, you know, that's not really fair because the yeah. way that they see and take in not literally see right figuratively yeah. see and take in the world through their nose, like we can't even begin to understand. And not letting a dog sniff, I'm sorry, in my opinion, is inhumane. Like, you have to let the dog use their strongest sense.
1: A hundred percent. I actually, I've noticed that a lot of people are really not aware that that's really mentally stimulating and mentally draining in a good way for the dog. Um, When I'm having this conversation with people my first thing I bring up is, hey, i rather you go out. If let's say you have only 10 minutes to bring your dog out on the low end, let's say, hey, you're busy that day, you have 10 minutes. I always tell them, I'd rather you make it halfway down your block in 10 minutes and allow your dog to sniff as much as possible and then come back in versus trying to go for a distance during that 10 minutes. Because when you come back inside, most dogs will be a little bit more drained if they've been allowed to sniff for that time. And Absolutely. And people are People are shocked by that. They're like, oh, I thought we were, you know, going for distance all the time. And and yes, if you have like a husky or a greyhound or a dog that likes to run and yeah. go for distance, you know, that's a little different. But for the most part, like let them let them sniff and get it out. That's that's really what they're out there to really do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love the term sniffari. That's like, seriously, the the greatest thing I've ever heard because it's It's so true. Yes. and (laughs) Like you said, like that can go a super long way for satisfying a dog's needs. Correct. Very true. Right. People are like, we just went down the block. I'm like, you have no idea how the world, the dog has taken in their world through their nose. You just, there's no way we just can't even begin to understand how I like to think of it as like the dog is sniffing technicolor. Ah, that's true That's really good (laughs) yeah yeah okay so okay so let's talk about some other management strategies so I think that like you said right like reframing your idea of a walk instead of thinking it as like I gotta walk the dog for a mile maybe it's you set 20 minutes and you let the dog set the pace like I love that I think that that's such a good plan because you're gonna get way more bang for your buck and let's be honest if a dog is sniffing they're not pulling right Right? like and I think that for some of these like hyper vigilant like over the top dogs if you slow down and let them sniff I think that they have a better chance of self-regulating instead of that like desperation to get ahead
1: yes you're absolutely right and that just reminded me of something I tell people a lot too that it's when when dogs when you get a hyper vigilant dog like that like you were just describing and they're kind of all over the place um I noticed that as the pet parents are walking them, they kind of tend to also become kind of hypervigilant, kind of of hustle or hurry up to like go with their dog. And sometimes I just feel like everyone needs to just really slow down. And with a hypervigilant dog like that, we need to kind of maybe take a step back on the pace and just slow everything down. And, you know, maybe not shuffle real fast to walk ahead and then be frustrated at how to get them to stop pulling. Sometimes we just slow down the walk itself, like physically how we're stepping. I'm like, let's just real slow, let him sniff and real slow. And if he pulls a little bit, you know, just kind of stop a little bit, let him sniff again. And I think just reframing the humans part about it, too, because I find a lot of my clients are kind of rushing with their dog as well and I'm like just stop like let's let's view what's happening let them let's see how he's feeling and so I think if we're if we're hustling ourselves to kind of we're not going to be able to match the amount of hustle our dogs can do no no we
0: have no hope (laughs)
1: I think it's just I think sometimes I just kind of uh, I give people the out to really walk extremely slow, almost on purpose to kind of help the dog's brain slow down rather than try to hustle and meet, meet up with them, so to speak.
0: Yes. No. And that's a super good point. Like being reflective, like as the, the handler, as your dog owner, the dog's right. owner, like you also have to change what you're doing, right? right? Like you can't sure. just change the dog's behavior <laughs> without also changing your behavior
1: humans are the variable.
0: Yes. Yes, they are. Right. Like we call ourselves dog trainers, but let's be honest. We're also people trainers.
1: That is the truest statement of all time.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. I'm sure every dog trainer can agree that like, if you don't know how to communicate with people, you have no hope of changing the dog's behavior. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's going to be hard. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, um, I think, you know, one more managed management strategy. I think that is helpful would be to do frequent direction changes on walks right so like you know if your dog is constantly pulling going one direction change it up go the other direction right they start pulling change directions again because I think the more like exciting and less predictable you can be as the human I think that that gives the dog more of a chance to be like dang which direction are we be going like maybe I should be paying closer attention yes exactly (laughs) Exactly. Right. And I think, you know, it's like we have we have a lot to compete against in like the distraction, like reinforcement stuff in the world. Right. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I
1: actually have a couple of clients who will do we'll go out in the yard and we'll do um, directional changes. And I, I call it like sometimes I'll call it the box and um and I'll have them, especially for people who really either have a really hypervigilant dog or people who are also really self-aware that they are not very good in the leash skills kind of leash handling department themselves. And, um, and we'll, I'll have them kind of mark out certain spots in their yard. So I'll have them walk straight for a couple seconds and then switch directions and kind of make a box. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then I'll have them go reverse on the box and just do that kind of very kind of almost abruptly when they turn. And then most dogs are like, where the heck's this lady going? Or, yes. And, um, yes. <laughs> kind of be a little bit um, in the best way possible, a little confused because it's not this monotonous straight line, which is what we tend to do as human beings when we're walking dogs, especially yes. in neighborhoods. We're like sidewalk all the way down and turn around all the way back. And it can be a little bit, you know, uh, make your dog kind of in a rush to get to nowhere is what I tend to say. Um, yes. <laughs> and I think like doing directional changes and just kind of keeping your dog guessing is a wonderful, wonderful idea and a good place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, speaking of sidewalks, I think that's another management strategy, right? Like if your dog pulls like crazy on the sidewalk and you're walking in like a like low traffic area, maybe try walking in the street a little bit. Yeah. See if that changes the outcome, you know, like you, you have to get so creative as a dog trainer, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we have advice and we have like protocols we like to follow, but every dog is an individual and every scenario presents different challenges for different dogs.
1: That's so true. I mean, it's, it's a constant kind of coming up with different things and having a list of, okay, we tried this, or we switched this variable, or we modified that. And it's a lot about just making adjustments. I mean, I always call training a lifestyle. You know, it's, it's, I tell people, it's very much like parenting. You're never really done being a parent. I mean, you might pull back on some things as they know things and they get a little older and all that, but you're always kind of a parent. And in in that same vein, you're always kind of a pet parent. So you always have to be adjusting what you're doing with your dog and making sure that, you know, your bond and
0: communication
1: is working effectively and, and, and well for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's a partnership. You guys are a team, you're working together with your dog, you know? So like you have to meet each other halfway. Yeah,
1: I always tell people it's the environment's your enemy or, or I try to tell people that, remember, you and your dog are wearing the same jersey, to use a sports analogy. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> not you against your dog out here. It's you guys against the environment and what's going on outside to to try to overcome it and win together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um, any other management strategies you can think of that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, I really think that
1: um, everything we covered is probably a good place for people to start to keep things simple. Um, and just, I really, I really think, lastly, if people have a yard, if they have the luxury of having a yard, and I, I did not always have that luxury. Um, you know, if you have a front, a, a front porch, a back deck, a, a quiet street you live on, or or someplace you can even drive to. You know, it's just really about once you start even management or practicing the training, you know, maybe you don't have to try to do all this right away outside on the street or outside where you normally walk. Just, you know, work on bonding and communicating with your dog in general and all training things in a low or no distracting environment. Maybe work inside if you have an open living room or out in your yard where it's quiet and there's no big distractions or, you know, just out front and right in front of your house. And don't worry about going further, you know, so just kind of Sometimes just bringing the environment down to what I call the library, like learning it in the library before you go to Disney World to learn it. Yes, Um,
0: I love that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, library first, right? Like the the lower distractions, the better. That's always where you want to start. The place where your dog is the least likely to get distracted by something. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk gear what gear do we need for loose leash walking? Um, oh. Okay. So, so why don't you start with like the tools and stuff that you use Erica? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
1: always, during the first session of anybody that is having issues with leash skills, loose leash walking, and just gaining kind of better, um, you know, communication with their dog outside on leash. I always discuss equipment. It is so important guys. If I basically tell them, listen, um, Depending on what their dog is on, some of this equipment is not benefiting you. It is not benefiting your dog. Um, so, you know, as a positive reinforcement trainer um, and trying to do everything that we, uh, you know, give advice about in a scientific, scientifically backed manner, in a humane manner, you know, we really want to make sure that we're avoiding anything that is deterring the dog from pulling due to maybe a little bit of discomfort or pain. So I really try to avoid anything that is making the dog stop pulling because of the equipment itself and making yes. them feel uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, you really want to avoid a choke chain or prong collar shock equipment or anything like that, because really what, what's going on is we want to make sure that the dog, is happily walking next to you, not walking next to you because they're scared of what's gonna happen if they go a little too a foot in front of you or a foot off to the side. Um, So we really wanna make sure that your dog is enjoying it just as much as you. Um, And like you said, this is really about communicating, right? So in order to do that, we have to put in a little bit of effort. I tell people it's like a marriage, you know, we gotta put in what we want out of this and we have to build a good relationship. So that being said, I normally, uh, I love harnesses. I know you do, Rachel. Um, Yes, Uh, we use the same ones on our dogs. And I normally, you know, recommend a no pull harness um, that fits properly. Um, Not all harnesses are created equal. So you want to make sure that it is something that um, fits your dog well is not uh, impeding on their gait, which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just how far they can kind of step their paw out and their their legs out some harnesses are a little bit droopy on the chest and the shoulder yeah. area so you really want to make sure that that's not happening cuz they might not be pulling simply because they they feel like they're walking like a penguin. Um, yeah,
0: right. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: We did, we don't want penguin walking. We want them to, you know, take a normal step because um, that can hurt them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really like the freedom. No pull harness. The the balance harness um, is great. You can find these online. Um, really, any you know online retailer. Sometimes at certain stores. But I really love the no pull harnesses. Um, and then also a tree pouch. Uh, I tell no. people, I'm like, listen, I'm like, if you, I'm like, it's obviously I can't force you to get one, but you are going to have trouble if you don't have one, because timing is so important in training in general, not yeah. only with leash walking, are you going to use it, but you're going to use it for everything. You won't catch me out anywhere with my dogs without my tree pouch on. I just always, I always tell people, I want you to have it and not
0: and maybe not need it then need it and not have it on you absolutely yeah no I totally agree yeah no I am always rocking the treat pouch like people are like what is that I'm like it's a treat pouch and I like it as a conversation starter too yeah
1: it (laughs) is you look cool out there people you look cool we are stylish (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I mean it really shows that you're out there working your dogs you you know, you look like a professional out there, folks. So go out and, you know, spend the ten, twenty dollars, either r- relatively inexpensive, and, um, you know, go out and get one and fill it with a bunch of different stuff and and be there to tell your dog and, and reward your dog, hey, you're doing a great job and, and let them know. So without the rewards handy, um, you, you know, you it's gonna it's gonna be maybe a little more difficult for you. So you really and I also tell people. Hey, it's summertime, and guess what? You're not going to have that puffy jacket that you can stick that Ziploc bag in. No
0: pockets.
1: You know, you're wearing a sundress or you know bathing suit or whatever because it's nice out in the summer. It's going to be hard for you to get in that pocket, and uh, by the time you get it, your dog might be pulling again. Now we lost the opportunity to let them know. So you know, you really want to be timely. So I think a good harness, a good treat pouch uh, filled with some stuff that your dog really likes is is really the basic foundation of like good gear to have
0: absolutely absolutely and you know on the tree pouch you know topic I think it's really important to understand that if you want to make meaningful behavior change in your dog you have to give and deliver timely reinforcements yeah. and you know I have people who are like no I can just have him in my pockets and next thing you know they're stumbling trying to get the treats out of their pocket and like you said and then before you know it the dog's at the end of the leash again Right. So you have to have them out and ready if you really want to make meaningful behavior change.
1: It's so true. I mean, you won't find uh, any good trainer has a tree pouch handy. So if we're wearing it, you know, you should be wearing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the tree pouch is awesome because it has a pocket. Mine, I can put the poop bags in it. I put my cell phone yeah. in there. Like it's very useful for a lot of reasons. <laughs>
1: That's so true. It's basically an on the go, you know, purse or satchel or whatever. You can put everything in it. I pretty much don't need anything besides my tree pouch when I leave the house.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's, let's talk leashes. Yeah. So um, what's your preferred length of leash?
1: I really like ideally maybe like a six foot leash for the average yeah,
0: person. I'm yeah.
1: five six feet I, I like six um, and again I'm more in a suburban area so there's busier streets and kind of sidewalks and stuff like that I mean I always tell people if you're going hiking if you're going somewhere you know get a get a long line that's wonderful let your dog kind of go out a little bit that's great but if you're working uh, working with your dog in a neighborhood environment and 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 kind of walking on a sidewalk or a street, I always recommend having, you know, five to six foot, just basic standard nylon or, or leather or whatever type of leash, something comfortable for your hands and and a thickness that works for you too, because you don't want it too thin, then it kind of might hurt your hand a little bit, especially if you have a dog pulling. So, yeah, I think five or six feet and a nice, nice width to it and, and a material that's sturdy that that feels good in your hands.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, you know, Anytime you're anywhere that it's busy, there's other dogs, there's people, I think a six-foot leash is super appropriate, you know, and, and I'm not a huge fan of anything shorter than that, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, I still want the dog to be able to explore its environment. And right. if I need, I can always, like, hold the leash in the middle, but I agree. I think a six-foot leash is is the best leash size.
1: Absolutely. I think yeah. anything shorter than that is probably... Probably going to make things more frustrating for most people as it doesn't give you a lot of room to breathe, nor your dog. So I think it's good to have a little bit, little bit extra. And it, like you said, you can always hold it a little closer or something's coming your way or you have to move over. It allows you that flexibility.
0: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, in my experience, working with dogs who like pull on leash consistently, if they have a little bit more leash, so like say they were walking on like a three foot leash and then you give them a six foot leash. Mm -hmm. I actually am getting more loose leash walking with a little bit longer leash than I was with the shorter leash. Me too. Look at that. Yeah. And I think there's just less resistance. Yeah. Like there's just a little bit more wiggle room and the dog can just be a little bit less like amped and pulley if they have just a little bit more freedom. That's so true. I mean, I think sometimes dogs just, we're not
1: giving them, we're not really giving them a chance sometimes with a short leash like that. And I think some people expect their dogs to be right on their, side the entire walk Um, and I think at least in my experience that's why people have short leashes like that and I think when when we reframe everything we just said previously about what the walks are and we switch up and give them a little bit more breathing room like you said you'd be surprised that it can pretty much it can decrease the amount of pulling for some dogs right away. I mean, not that it's cured, but just giving them a little bit extra, you'd be surprised that, you know, they're just happy to get another extra foot or two out of it and sniff around a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So a lot of times I get questions about retractable leashes. And so I'll kind of give you my input on retractable leashes and I'll let you kind of jump in. Sure. Retractable leashes in and of themselves The dog has to create tension to get ahead, right? Like that's how the retractable leash works, right? Like they have to pull and then they get more leash. And when I'm training, I'm trying to convince the dog I'm working with the complete opposite, (laughs) right? Like I want the dog to understand that the way to get ahead and get to sniffs and resources and stuff like that is to walk with a loose leash, not that, you know, you can't use a retractable leash in certain scenarios, but for the concept of loose leash walking, in my opinion, a retractable leash is not going to get you there. I couldn't
1: agree more. I I try to have people <laughs> immediately switch off of a retractable leash. So because, I like you said, the only way the dog learns how to get ahead is to get to the end of the leash. And I jokingly tell clients that have this, I'll say, well, what happens, right? Your dog goes out, we're holding the box. I call it the box. And, you know, the box is in your hand because also it takes up, your whole hand is now dedicated to holding this weird little handle thing. Yeah, right. right. And so now the box is your hands on the box and that hand's done. That hand can't do anything else now. And so um, your dog gets to the end of it. And when they're at the end pulling, what happens? We click the little click button and then the dog goes Psh, and comes out and they get more leash. So to the dogs in the dog's mind, it's pull button. I get more. And yes. Obviously, yes. they're going to learn that that's what works it's not the dog trying to one-up us or be spiteful or that they're such a genius about like oh they're tricking us it's no we're teaching them you pull and then I click this magic button and look what happens you get extra leash so right. we want to try to avoid those for multiple reasons um, for the loose leash walking but also I find that you know if you're trying to grab some treats or if you're trying to pick up poop, we all know what that's like. Uh, and then your whole hand is now having to hold that box and that awkward kind of grabbing it like a shopping bag type of uh, stance with your hand. You can't like wrap that around your wrist for a second, pick up some poop or grab a couple of treats. Like I also just like, if I really need to have that hand open or moving a little bit, um, you know, to to not have it just holding this plastic handle. I find that that's that's not good long-term.
0: Yeah, no, that's a super good point. And something I do often is because I'm usually out walking a ton of dogs at at one time. I had five dogs over the weekend. So I was walking five dogs and they're all really good on leash. So it's not terrible, but Oftentimes if I have to stop to pick up poop, I'm stepping on the leashes and that's not very easy with a retractable leash either.
1: (laughs) Right. Actually. Yeah. Like, and like we were just talking about before about equipment. If you decide you need to, depending on the type of retractable leash too, I'll say, listen, if you give your dog 10 feet of it and you need to, and there's a car coming or another dog or a child on a bicycle or whatever, uh guess what unless your dog wants to come back to you you how are you you're gonna have to run to them and then click the button again to lock it in so like it's it's not like a fishing pole like you're not gonna be able to reel them in as easily as if you have a regular you know nylon leash or whatever so if you need them to come back and decrease the amount of leash they have You either have to rush up to them or you're pulling back on this box and hoping your dog comes back to you. It's just it's really hard to have proper leash skills, in my opinion, um, with that type of equipment.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And seriously, I think we can all relate that we find, we found ourselves in those, like, oh, shit moments with our dogs, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah. surprise, there's, you know, a million distractions. It Something's is super, coming. yeah, it is super hard to wrangle in a dog who's at the end of a retractable leash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: that is yeah, so, so, so true. We've <laughs> all been there. Let's avoid it. If you have a regular leash, you can reel your dog in quickly and very act easier. Yeah, coming. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so, all right, so we know how to manage to prevent the unwanted behavior from happening. We know the gear we need, so let's talk about training strategies, shall we? Yes, (laughs) let's. Uh, Okay, so um, I, I like a couple of strategies, right? So, like, I teach a side cue, which means walk at my side until further notice. I think that that's a really nice strategy, right? For like loose leash walking. And I don't always expect that. So like I let my dogs have the length of the leash, but if I need them to walk at my side because we're walking past dogs or people or whatever, that's also on verbal cue. So I can use that to my advantage. Right. Right? So like, I think that that's a good, a, a good training strategy. Um, what are some other training strategies you like to use?
1: Uh, I love that side cue thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I try to go over with people, and maybe I'm, I'm jumping, I hope I'm not Rachel, but I, I I normally find that people have unrealistic expectations right off the bat with it. So I'll, I'll immediately, before we go into step-by-step training with that individual, I'll tell them, listen, because um, a lot of people look for, I like that you said side, as long as they're somewhere on your side, right? Um, yeah. Some people are looking for a straight heel the entire walk. And, and quite frankly, deep down in my soul and full disclosure, I'm not a fan of the heel cue at all. And that's just me as a trainer. I'm and right there with you, girl. Okay, good. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, that's cool if other people like to teach it and have clients that want it. And absolutely, right. But me personally, it's not a cue I've ever taught my dogs. I don't know, I don't recommend it to a client unless they're really, really, really in need of it for some specific reason. But otherwise, I'm like, listen, as long as your dog is uh, not pulling your shoulder out of its socket, that's a good first step. And, uh, yes. and so I just have people set realistic expectations. Um, And where I normally have people kind of start is inside. I'll have people like even with a cue like side or even with um, I I do a lot of looks and watch me type of cues um, because most of the time people are, again, full disclosure, I find that people that are having issues with loose leash walking aren't really training their dogs in any other fashion currently. And what I mean is they don't really have a a training relationship. So I'll have people work on some basic things that are going to help them with loose leash walking outside eventually inside first. So I'll have them do like a great, the great cue, like the side, work on that inside the house, work on looking at me, work on name recognition. I use name recognition a lot with our dogs and, uh, you know, getting their attention before they start pulling. So working on your dog's. Basically working on your dog, which I say, caring that you're alive when you're outside, caring that you're holding the other end of the leash and not forgetting about you. So I kind of start with having people work inside and work on, hey, we're going to start communicating with each other. And if you look at me, it's good for you. And if I call your name and you look at me and pay attention to me, that's good for you too. So you're going to need those kind of attention cues, if you will. So I basically have people start there. I think that's a great place to begin working on this.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No. And that's a super good point, right? Like if you don't have a working relationship with your dog in any other context, you got to work on like bonding and working on a team first before you can go out in the world and expect the dog to walk nicely on a leash. Absolutely. Right. No. And I think, you know, managing expectations of the human is huge. That's such a good point, you know, and there's, there's this, I don't know why there's this desire to make your dog walk at your side the whole walk. Like yeah. terrible. I, I've talked about this in a couple previous episodes, you know, and like my analogy is always like, you don't take your do- your kid to the zoo and tell them they can't look at anything.
1: Right. It's like going to the mall and you're not allowed to go in any of the stores. You just have to walk in a
0: circle. Right. Right. Like that is not a fulfilling walk for a dog. It just isn't. No. Right. And like, not that you can't get the dog to understand to walk at your side consistently if you need it. Right. Right. But- you know, I'm really only using like that behavior in context where it's like a super busy environment where like, we're not saying hi to dogs. We're not saying hi to people. I need you to walk at my side and I'm making sure it's really reinforcing for the dog, right? Like I'm paying frequently for that. Um, but in general, when I'm out on walks, the dog can sniff and explore, right? So I love that you brought up managing expectations because that's super huge. Yeah, it's, it's really big. And I, you know, I tell people,
1: depending on the dog, depending on their age, depending on their breed, of course, as always, but you know, if, if your dog's been pulling for three years, and now we're working on this, well, we, we have to be patient with this, because, as we all know, breaking habits that you like are, and maybe you're trying to break it for someone else, which in the dog's mind, that's what's going on. Um, <laughs> You know, it's a—it's uh, not easy. For humans, it's not easy to break habits. And we have, you know, friends and therapists and ways of getting getting over habits and, and bettering ourselves. You know, the dog only has you as their pet parent. You have to work with them. You have to help them understand what we're looking for and also help them understand, hey, we if we've ignored or not addressed this behavior appropriately in a few years or a few months or even a few weeks, and, you know, we're expecting it to be great in a day. Well, we're, we're going to be a little disappointed. Um, so, you yeah. know, having, having a, a plausible steps, I think breaking it down for those that are working on this, you want to try to come up with um, with a, a couple plausible, realistic steps. And I always tell people if you are whatever you're working on, where, wherever you're working with the loose leash stuff you know, I always say our motto, our motto, what I tell every client is you're looking for better, not perfect. Yes. And so if it's a little better, if it's a little less, if they're paying attention to you a little more and it's just less crappy than usual is my scientific term there, um, <laughs> then you're, then you're good. So, I mean, then you're going in the right direction, right? So I, I really think that that's important. And, and, um, You know, I know we might have missed this on on gear, but you reminded me of it, Rachel. Also, when you go out and like you said, you heavily reinforce the behaviors you're looking for. And when you are asking for them to be on your side, it's for a purpose and they're getting fed for it and they're getting rewarded for it. And uh, and there's something in it for them. And I think people also should keep in mind when they go out. You know, make sure what you're bringing is reinforcing. Make sure that what you have on you is that your dog loves it. I mean, I have a lot of clients who are bringing out, you know, like milk bones or, or biscuits and boring. Yeah, like, I'm like, do you want a cracker when you go out to dinner? Or do you want like something good? You know, so, you know, I always say food is like currency you need to have a high enough value and if you're outside working on loose leash walking i would i would say that warrants a 50 or 100 dollar bill and that could be that could be freeze dried beef liver or chicken or a couple pieces of cheese or whatever little quick tip for me i get a squeeze tube like a silicone yes. shampoo squeeze tube type of bottle and i fill it with peanut butter and you can just squirt a little peanut butter um, and one one or two spoonfuls can last you a whole walk in that little squeeze tube So, I mean, you just have to bring something that your dog really likes. And that's really important for those listening to make sure that they're using something high enough value.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I preach high value treats all the time. My clients are probably so sick of me talking about it, but (laughs) all the time, high value reinforcements. You know, and I think it's super important to remember that you should also be stacking the deck in your favor. So if your dog is not super into food. Do not feed them breakfast before you take them out for a training session, right? Yeah. If you have a hungry dog, that is stacking the deck in your favor. So that's another management strategy for the <laughs> human, you know, like make sure the dog is good and hungry and make sure you have high value reinforcements.
1: That is such a good tip. A hungry, <laughs> a hungry dog is going to want to work for that food a little more. So that's yeah. always a plus for sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So, um, You know, you kind of already touched on this, but I think I think it's worth, you know, diving just a little bit deeper. So we're always going to start in low distracting environments. Right. So Mm -hmm. for some dogs, maybe that's inside. For some dogs, maybe that's in the backyard. I like to teach the concept of like walk with me without a leash first. Kind of like what you were describing, right, with like the box game, you know, Mm -hmm. is like I'm moving. I'm going this way. Come with me. I'll reinforce you. And then I like to put the leash into the scenario.
1: That's a great way to start. Absolutely. Again, if your dog doesn't know how to pay attention to you in an outdoorsy environment or, you know, or they they don't want to really be around and they're out exploring and they again don't know you're necessarily alive because you're standing back there and they don't care to come pay attention to you that's a good place to start you know you need to have that focus on you and reinforce them for focusing on you and I think having having that practice without the leash first is really beneficial
0: yeah yeah Okay. So yeah, I think that, you know, low distractions first. And then when the dog kind of understands the concept, you're getting pretty frequent check-ins. They're looking at you, they're eager to give you their attention. Then you're ready to add in more distractions and the leash, right? Um, Yeah. The freedom no pull harness is definitely by far my favorite harness. I'll include a link to that in the show notes guys, so that you can, you can check it out. They also make super cute colors.
1: If you follow um, us on
0: Instagram, you have seen all of the rainbow spam <laughs> that is the, the harnesses I, love- I got for Tima and Waylon. <laughs> I
1: love those so much. They're in my shopping cart because I have to get those colors. They're, They're adorable. They're
0: so freaking cute. They're so cute. Good. Okay. But anyways, anyways. Okay. okay so so the leash, I, you want to attach the leash in the front, right, mm-hmm. on the chest clip. Yeah. Because um, that's definitely going to deter the most pulling. Okay. So now you're out in the world and the dog is at the end of the leash. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, my first protocol is to stop immediately Mm -hmm. because I don't want the pulling to work, right? And I think depending on the dog, I'm going to do a couple of things, right? Like if I have a dog who's pretty quick to pay attention to me, I'm just going to stop and wait. And as soon as the dog offers attention, I'm going to mark and reward and then I'm going to keep walking, Yeah. right? If I have a dog who is not super quick to offer attention, I'm going to lower criteria. And all the dog has to do is just offer a little bit of looseness in the leash. I'm going to mark that. I'm probably not going to reward with food. Instead, I'm just going to walk forward and let that act as the reinforcer in my training set. Right. So, yeah. you know, so I think it, it totally is dog dependent. And guys, we can give you the best advice we possibly can in a podcast, but nothing can replace real training advice specific training advice so if you need training help Erica and I can both help you with that right so if Absolutely. you need help reach reach out to a positive reinforcement trainer in your area because nothing can replace like you know the help from a professional but anyways Absolutely. so so this general yeah. advice so um i think that that kind of leads into like you know a good talking point that i definitely wanted to touch on which is real life rewards as a reinforcement for walking with the loose leash
1: Yeah, that's so important. Real life rewards are so important. And, and I'll basically to piggyback off of what you said, Rachel, I, same thing when I go out, we're ready to start on outside on the leash, it's on the front clip, we're going out. Um, you know, I'll do the same exact thing you just said. I'll either wait for some type of attention and mark and pay, or, you know, if the dog's really hypervigilant, then a little looseness on the leash, then the fact that we're walk, the walk is reinforcement for most dogs. So moving forward, taking a few more steps forward, um, reaching that fire hydrant that they want to sniff. If they can get there with a loose leash, then that's their reinforcement with some praise. And that's great. Um, my my dog, Jade, my pit bull, like I was telling you before we started recording, she really rather have the environment over pretty much everything else right now in her life. So I really have to change my style of training. I can't force food or force something else on her as a reinforcement. If the dog doesn't find it reinforcing, it's not considered a reinforcement um, in yes. a way that you would like. So um, although I want to give her a piece of chicken she rather sniff the fire hydrant when we're out. So, you know, whatever, it's whatever she wants to do, but if we can get there on a loose leash, then we get to the fire hydrant. If we pull, we're not making it to the fire hydrant. So, um the dog if you're consistent with stuff like that will start to pick up on I get there by having looseness in this leash. If I if the leash gets tight and I then I won't be able to reach this and we have to go back a little bit and try it again. So, be consistent guys, you know, don't yes. um Don't one day, you know, I've had I've had people do this. They get a little frustrated or they don't go out considering it's a training walk and their dog will pull all over the place again. And then the next day they work on it a little. And then the next day they go back to pulling the whole time. And you you have to decide if you're going to not care about it or care about it. But you need to pick one and go with it. Um, So if we're training it, you want to really try to dedicate these walks and consider each time you go out with your dog on leash as a training walk, not just a, we're going out on a walk, really view it as a training walk.
0: Absolutely. Because dogs, dogs do at work, right? And like <laughs> for better or worse, it is pretty black and white in their mind. Mm-hmm. And if we keep operating from this gray area of sometimes we expect this, sometimes we expect that, like you are not going to get meaningful behavior change. Yeah. I always right? tell so- people- yeah. I'm sorry.
1: I always tell people you your dog's going to be as consistent as you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's humbling to self-reflect on that, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. This is my fault, not the dog's <laughs> fault. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's, a, I try to tell people it's empowering. That means it's, it's in your, it's in your control. You can change this, you know?
0: Right, right. Okay. So so something else that I really like to train when I'm out walking is context cues. So, you know, you see another dog, you see a person, something mm-hmm. happens. I want my dog's default reaction to be to look back at me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's super useful for loose leash walking, right? Because if the dog understands that if a person is coming towards you, that is your cue to look at the human. Then yeah. they're focusing on you, and that's going to prevent the pulling from occurring.
1: That is so true. I mean, I pretty much try to have dogs view any event in the environment as good for them meaning it's good stuff coming from the pet parent which means look back at the pet parent and you're right if if we can have the pet parent kind of be the most important thing in the environment as much as possible that's going to help your leash walks and and also prevent a bunch of other stuff like leash reactivity and stuff like that so if your dog if your dog views all this stuff as hey look back at mom or dad or whoever's holding the leash then that's that's where you want to be for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's so funny because, like, this is something that I always train and reinforce for. But, you know, then you have those, like, glory moments where it just works so well. I was out walking Tiva and Waylon last week, and there was a loose German shepherd who, of course, came charging at us. The dog is, you know, barking like a lunatic, and I stick my foot up. And, of course, the dog starts biting my foot. It was just my shoe, so there was no damage. And I look down, and Tiva and Waylon are both just staring at me.
1: Oh, my goodness. What are
0: we doing here? I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing. So I'm like, I'm trying to defend myself from this German Shepherd. Meanwhile, I'm like shoveling food into my dog's mouth. (laughs) What a glory moment. Well, I'm glad you're okay, but dear God, how awesome are your
1: dogs? See, guys, like if you reinforce things, your dogs will, like you said, it's black and white. They'll learn, hey, well, well, what mom's got to tell us what's going on now, so we're just going to wait here, you know? Right.
0: Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was amazing. And then I threw well, food at the German shepherd and we got away. So, definitely. you know, all things considered, we came out unscathed, but yeah. yeah, you know, I think, I think that that's super important. And I think, you know, another note on like the reinforcing while I do fade reinforcements, I don't get rid of them altogether. Definitely. Right. Right. Like I am always paying wherever I am with the dogs right? Because ultimately they have to eat no matter what. So it's really quite easy for me. And it makes plenty of sense to just build it into my life.
1: You yeah. know, like
0: anywhere I go, I make sure that I have treats prepped and ready. Like I just build that in. And I have so many people like, when can I stop feeding? Like you can't ever stop feeding your dog because they right. die. Right. So you yeah. might as well be using that resource to your advantage. Absolutely. I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I,
1: I don't know what this epidemic is with with people in general, human beings in general that are that are wanting to train their dogs. It seems to me like a lot of people's first goal, like we haven't even gotten outside on the walk more than five minutes. And it's like, well, when can when can it's like, how quickly can I stop reinforcing this dog? Like, Like, don't be cheap. I'm like, so let's, get, let's get the behavior first and then let's talk about like what next steps are. But I don't know what this thing is about trying to, how quickly we can stop using food. I, guys, we're, we're going to use food no matter what. Like you said, you're feeding your dogs out of bowls usually. And, you know, I say, hey, instead of filling your bowl with with if you feed your dog dry food or whatever you're feeding if it's if you can bring it with you then why don't you give them the food out for training or in, even train them inside use the food to your advantage don't just feed the dog Try to use it to your advantage with all these things that you want them to do. You you're gonna be feeding them anyway. And I also say, do you when when you're when your child or family member, or your, or your niece or nephew, when they do a good job at something, are you like, how quickly can I stop reinforcing these good things that my kids doing? Like, you're gonna to want to reinforce them. So dogs should really be no different in that vein. You want to really keep those reinforcements coming. And like you said, you can go to every so often and randomizing it, but you know, we should never just completely stop paying. This is a pay, this is like a paycheck. No one wants to go to work without getting paid, you know? So if we want them to do these things, we got to keep, keep the, keep the payroll going out.
0: Right. Like we don't work for free. Like that's an insane concept, right? Like people don't work for free. So I don't know why there's this like weird, like misnomer that like dogs should just do our bidding with no reinforcement whatsoever. Like yeah. yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the way that the world works. This <laughs> is a public service announcement.
1: Yeah. Please pay the dog. I always say, when in doubt, give it out. Okay. When in doubt, give it out. I love it. That's that's such a good mantra, right? <laughs> it's easy and you know, I think it's it's gonna help all all the training that you're doing. Um, but I, I did wanna I did wanna say one other tactic that people can do. Uh, When you go out, this is really important. I try when we're, when we're first walking their dog or first few sessions, you're trying this out, you go out with your dog, you know, you're on the proper equipment, you have your leash. I try to have, um, this is one exercise I do with some of my clients. I try to have the food, a couple pieces of it um, already. And I love using freeze dried beef liver, just so everyone knows it's kind of my favorite. And so I have a few pieces broken up, small easy for them to swallow quickly and move on to the next task. You don't want them chewing for a long time. So really small pieces. I already have some in my off hand and then my other hand is holding the leash. And we're going to, what I try to have clients do is have a small number in mind. So I usually start with three, three steps, right? So you take one, two, three steps. And if your dog is not rapidly pulling at the end of the leash yet, and they're semi next to you or the leash is loose you're going to mark and pay. And then another three steps, mark and pay. And then another three steps, mark and pay. And I I find that when you break it down into small pieces like that, literally um, and figuratively, (laughs) you can can have um, basically what I try to people focus on is let's reinforce your dog before they start pulling. And that gets them to go, oh, like I've, I've had dogs I work with I'm on step three, and they're just starting to hustle a little bit in front of me, Um, but they're not pulling yet, but you could just see it. Um, And then I'll I'll mark with a yes, and I'll pay. And they they actually turn around and slow down, and then they'll take the food. And it helps cut their brain off from going to that behavior and that default of pulling forward. I think it's really important for people to have a small, small number of steps, keep it simple, One, two, three, pay, one, two, three, pay. And those three steps could eventually become five steps and 10 steps and 20 steps and down to the fire hydrant or down the block. And so, you know, really, really try focusing on rewarding your dog for the stuff that you like instead of reacting to when they do the thing you don't like. So you really want to be proactive versus reactive.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I I couldn't agree more. Right. Like it's, it's so quick. We're such people, aren't we? Like this thing is happening. I don't want it to happen anymore. Like, okay, well, what did you do to prevent it from happening? Nothing. (laughs) Well, there you go. You know, right. You have to be proactively reinforcing good behavior to prevent the unwanted behavior from occurring. And then, you know, over time, you get these beautiful default responses. Like, Tiva, she almost pays too much attention to me on walks. You know, like, she has gotten so many reinforcements in her almost 12 years of life with me that, like, I really don't have to do anything except for just walk. And she's just, like, right at my side staring at me, like, so what are we doing here? I'm like, "Um, please stop looking please keep walking (laughs) (laughs) that
1: reminds me of my chihuahua freddy he's uh he reminds me of Tiva. they seem the same um yeah he's he's he cares about me more than anything else and sometimes i'm like go play get away like go do something um but yeah he's been so reinforced that same thing you know they just kind of they're they're that's their new default
0: that's their new mo and that's like they literally choose it right? Like we don't have to do anything at all. And the dog chooses to be there. Like that is the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think
1: uh, to, to add one last point to that exercise, if you're doing small steps like that and reinforcing proactively things that you like, then I also tell people, Hey, I would only do this on your block or maybe, uh, you know, your house and two houses down or one building over or whatever, and, and keep the training walks Close to home base to start before you go out really far. Um, you know, again, small s- incremental steps. And also, I do this thing with R two, so we'll work on loosely stuff and. Well, I'll have like a thing on our block. There's a couple of fire hydrants. I know we keep bringing them up, but it, it's don't, my dogs love they sniffing. They're hot
0: ticket items.
1: They really are. <laughs> they really are. So I, as a dog trainer and a dog mom, I start to notice where they all are. So we obviously have a few down our block and a couple of bushes that they really like to sniff. And so what I'll do is I'll ask, you know, I'll, I'll work on the loose leash stuff with them. And then I know this fire hydrants coming up. So I'll have that in mind as kind of like a marker of, visual marker for me. And so once we get a little close to that, I'll actually if the if the leash is loose, I actually start putting those things on cue. So I have a cue for them called go sniff. And when we get semi close to it, I'll just kind of let off, you know, let off the leash if I was holding it a little closer or something. And I'll let them go sniff the item. And so I say it on cue. So it's almost, I know they would want to pull and go sniff it anyway. So try to use these things to your advantage so they're not working against you. So I get a little ahead of it and then I'll say, go sniff. And then they know they can go sniff. And I stand there for, I don't care if it's three minutes. I just let them be a dog and then we go back to walking. So I think it's really important. What I'm trying to say is people should really make sure that they're also, aside from practicing the loose leash, Practice when your dog's allowed to not be focused on loose leash walking and be focused on just being a dog and sniffing and rolling in the grass for a minute or whatever. I think breaking it up with practicing the loose leash stuff and then practicing letting them be
0: a dog and sniff is really, really important. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I use, I have like a general release word and that means I don't need your attention anymore. And I use it like in the same way that you're describing, right? Like we're getting close to like, you know, somewhere I know they want s- to the sniff. I'm giving them the verbal cue. We go, I let them sniff. So oh. I love that too. And I love that it brings clarity to like the expectations when you're out walking. You know what I mean? That like you really are allowed to go and sniff now. Yeah. Right? Like I don't need your attention. Please sniff. Yeah. So I think that that's absolutely brilliant. And then the sniffing serves as the reinforcer.
1: Right. Exactly. You don't even that that is the reward for
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. That's brilliant. Oh my gosh. This was so much fun. Thank you so yes. much for coming on. I think that this you. is going to be really helpful for all of my listeners. So, thank, so. You. Yes. thank you. Yes. Okay. for having me. Yes. Okay. So any last points you want to touch on before we wrap it up? I just really want to leave people with, you know, being patient
1: is key. Um, And again, remember it's you and your dog against the world, you and your dog against the environment. And your dog is not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time understanding what we're looking for. So just be patient, be kind and take it slow. You're on the same team.
0: I love it. Yes. Okay. So Erica, where can people find you? Social media, website, all of that. Oh yeah. Well, uh, our business name
1: is from dusk till dog and the till has two L's from dusk till dog. You can check us out on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitter. It's like a part-time job, uh, yes. all, oh my God. social media. Um, but yeah, anywhere you guys hear, Rachel, we're probably on there too. So check us out from dusk till dog and see some cute pictures of dogs and R2 and, and some great training tips.
0: Yes. Okay. I guess Erica offers, um, remote consultations too. So, um, no matter where you live she can still help you so you know keep that in mind too you don't have to be in jersey to get erica's help
1: absolutely thank you so much i appreciate you having me on rachel and i'm really looking forward to uh to doing more with you and, and hopefully we can have a chat again sometime in the future fabulous
0: thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.